Here at Software People Stories, we are celebrating Women's Month with five different women being featured in series. We have the distinct privilege to introduce five very inspiring women from different realms of technology. I would like to introduce Palashi, who's a research scholar from Cornell University, who's breaking the barriers between social impact and technology. Then we have Pooja Esar, who comes from the investment background and social uh, work. And now she is the managing director for Anita B, who shares her interesting journey. And next we have Vaishali James, who's a marketing professional for technology. And she talks about her journey of coming from a very humble background and uh, breaking different, different uh, arenas. Next, um, we have Pramita, who's a satellite engineer. And last but not the least, we have Bindu Sunil, who shares her passion of embedded and uh, how she's changed her avatar to become a cloud engineer and she's heading the cloud division in Wipro. Hi, Bindu. Hi. Hi, Gayatri. Uh, welcome to Software People Stories. And I warmly welcome you uh, as part of the Women's uh, um, March month of uh, episodes where we are featuring uh, unique and stellar uh, women who have have great accomplishments in the field. So once again, welcome and thank you so much for your time. Thank you, guys. So uh, I know you've been a career Viproite and uh, also uh, you know hold a very high position in the cloud computing uh, area in uh, Vipro. So uh, be before we get started, why don't we uh, introduce yourself uh, and your journey so far? Uh, sure. Um, so I'm born, brought up, raised in Bangalore, so a complete Bangalorean, did my schooling here and then uh, went to uh, Tumkur SIT to do my engineering in electrical and electronics. And from there, after I came out, I started my career as a, a C programming developer. And from there, I, I picked my interest in embedded systems. I learned embedded systems and got into that domain. I worked on embedded systems for uh, consumer electronics domain. I worked on all layers of embedded systems. I started with assembly language programming, device drivers, firmware, middleware, all of it. And um, I had I, I worked in Tata Alexi back then. And after a couple of years with Tata Alexi, uh, I moved to Wipro where I am for the last 16 years now. So uh, I have worked for 21 years in all and uh, of my two decade career, the first decade has been completely on embedded systems. And uh, uh, when I moved to Wipro, only the domain changed. I started working on healthcare as a domain, uh, but uh, you know, technology remained almost the same. But when I moved, uh, I, I was given the task of working on middleware mostly, uh, not on the lower layers like I was used to. So uh, here I had to work on Python. And this, remember, was like 16 years ago. 16 years ago, Python was not a, a popular language as it is today. So for, uh, for me, at least Python was just a snake back then. So <laughs> learning Python, I was like wondering, what am I doing? I mean, I'm a C programmer. I, I've been working on C, C++ all the while. And now I've been tasked with Python. I didn't like it in the beginning. But on hindsight, when you connect the dots, how things help you. You know, uh, unknown things that I've picked up at that time, it was quite unknown. And what am I getting into? But 
I learned Python. I did that. I did that part of task. Moved on from there. And then as I grew, um, I started handling small teams, more technically handholding them, being a technical leader, then moved into project management. I, I started doing project management and uh, I have been um, a part of this, um, uh, my embedded journey. I've also been part of IP product development, uh, a personal healthcare uh, device. And here we have developed, you know, Bluetooth profiles and which was uh, missing in the Linux kernel back then, uh, for HTTP uh, profile for uh, connectivity. Here, the, the whole thing was about, uh, you collect data, the vital signs from digital stethoscope, ECG and other things at home for people to use. And you draw out data from there and uh, send it out to clinicians and then uh, you can also give uh, send it to caretakers to and have a trend analytics done have video conferencing done so this is a personal healthcare device as such it's a complete product and i was part of it for uh, three years so and that is in incomplete my embedded journey this was until 2012 2013 just a decade ago uh, i stepped into cloud data platforms and ai and even then, back then, cloud was just beginning to shape up, you know, beginning to, that was a buzz thing that was just starting on. So from embedded, when I moved to cloud again, I did not know cloud. Um, yeah, it, it would be very interesting to note that when I moved into this group, this uh, cloud data platform and AI group within Wipro was a small startup within that large enterprise. So it was just a new, new group that was getting formed. And I was a fifth member in the team. And today we are over 1,200 in the team. Over the one decade, we have grown. And I have seen the growth from a handful to where we are today. And when I moved into this group, and um, there was an interview to move even internally within Wipro, when you move from group to group, there it's a, it's a totally new job. So when I, in the interview, uh, I was asked, oh, so you must be familiar with Amazon. And Amazon back then for me was just a retailer. I didn't even know Amazon was cloud. So that was my know-how on cloud when I really got into cloud. <laughs> and, but from there to being a cloud advisor, I worked in the role of cloud advisory on Amazon Web Services. And, uh, um, you know, I, I've done different roles on uh, working on cloud itself as technical uh, program manager, handling multiple projects uh, with me and, uh, um, you know, setting up a cloud center of excellence on Amazon Web Services for a customer, working with that same customer for four years in different roles. And it's been an exciting journey. And that was more so my focus was just with cloud and cloud infra mainly. Uh, but from there, I moved back into the same group. I mean, I, I was part of the same group, but I was part of the delivery uh, per se when I was four years with this account. When I moved back into the practice that I belonged, uh, I took up a practice role, which I, I am I'm still um, you know in. And that practice role is I'm I'm a sector head for the practice. Um, multiple sectors fall with me, consumer, healthcare, medical devices, transportation, logistics, and several sectors. Uh, so I have a lot of accounts that I handle as part of these sectors, uh, a few to name FedEx, Uber, Meta, Yahoo. Some of uh, these accounts are what I handle. And in my role here, I, I do an end-to-end -end, uh, in the sense like I have, I, have, I lead and drive um, solutions with customers along with the sales team and uh, to get new deals in. And uh, we, I have a team of architects who, who work on the solution, but we I drive it and uh, we uh, proactively pitch solutions to customers. We also respond to uh, proposals from customers, uh, you know, reactive proposals also. And once a deal is through, I also ensure that, you know, the, the deal is 
um, the order is now estimated correctly and we have the right talent uh, identified and you can run it smoothly with a with a project manager or a delivery team in place and even after that i still handhold the project till you know things are all smooth and keep a touch point with the project regularly meet customers uh, on their reviews monthly reviews and so this is my end to end role that i do today in multiple accounts that i just mentioned uh, and all the projects that we work today are on data platforms and AI. So here my focus shifted from more pure cloud infra into data platforms and AI, which was again, not a forte for me. Uh, so throughout my career, 21 years, it's been new learnings all the while. Uh, for me, that's what I look for. I, I, I believe in looking at change that way. And that's, got, that's what's got me here today. Wow, I have so many questions to ask you, Vindu. Uh, let me uh, ask you from the top, right? What, um, I mean, uh, what got you started in software? Uh, was it after college, before college? I mean, uh, normally uh, when we call this Rishi Mulam, right? Where, where did it all start? It started in my first job, actually, because till then in college, yes, we did have programming. And we had back then more kind of, you know, Fortran programming and, you know, a little bit of C, but not much. But programming was tough for uh, for all our students <laughs> back then. And, uh, you know, uh, internet connectivity was more, more limited to you go to the internet parlors and, you know, you don't have it much at home. And even if, it, if it's at home, it's a dial up and the connections are slow and it's not what it is today so we were not exposed to um, you know uh, opportunities and searches like you get in a click of a button now back then 21 years ago so the programming exposure i've had was very limited in college and and i'm not from I, my branch was not computer science per se it was electrical and electronics so we did have computer science as a subject but it was not uh, detailed into that so when i came out and i took up my first job i was actually a design engineer in an alternator department in kirloska when i that was my first job uh, there it was totally an electrical domain the domain that i studied in and uh, uh, while i was doing that I was, we were part of the design um, designing alternators when we had to do a lot of manual work there in terms of you know uh, do, doing and redoing co quotations for the alternators when you change the you know the uh, rotor and the stator when you are having those design changes how what would be the cost and you know how much you can optimize and how much you cannot and you know things like that which we used to manu manually be doing it so i suddenly thought okay this is anyway you know no value add you keep just changing the width and the length and then you know why not do a small program for it and I suggested this to my uh, design head and nobody there, I mean, there, there were a bunch of mechanical engineers doing CAD drawings and there were the rest of it were electrical engineers doing the design. That's that's about it. So when I suggested this, it was some a new idea for them. And I was just, um, you know, an, an apprentice just learning fresh from college. Uh, so they said, yeah, why not go ahead, try what you want. So that they gave me the autonomy to try what I wanted. And then there was, you know, I had fun doing a C programming, learning, and I had a lot of books with me because though back then you can't have searches, then I learned C so well uh, that I could do a lot of programs. And then even for other departments, we did it for them. Uh, and uh, that, that was my starting with uh, C programming as such. And then when I learned C programming and I said, okay, I have an electrical electronics background and I know C programming, why not combine the both and get into embedded systems? And embedded systems was what is AI today back then so <laughs> uh, i i dabbled into that learned that, uh, you know embedded after... and iot right it's a combination because uh, right, right. I, internet of things uh, literally uh, those are embedded is like 
of course the capability of embedded things have changed dramatically yeah. from there but yeah, yeah it's very very different now so uh, then i didn't know okay how do i learn embedded now and i was working a full day job and after job i i, I looked for some place who they, they were teaching embedded uh, course i picked that up i did a short course for 8 months and I, i after after office i used to travel there finish it come back and that was interesting for me and uh, so that, that that moved me to a different world altogether so from there after 2 years of being in kirloskar i moved into tata alexi and actually started working on embedded system so that's my journey that's the start of my journey wow sounds extremely exciting uh, bindu and see i think uh, the passion to learn and most importantly um, uh, today uh, software engineers we talk about so many different of them db engineer data engineer database engineer uh, cl- uh, and the cloud engineer and then front end and then back end lots of things but if, when you share your story about creating your own piece of functionality that is like a full stack you create your own system you create your own requirements design it develop it and show it also right i think the times have changed but i think you have come up, come back a full circle right now we are talking more of a full stack engineer and say are you able to speak to the customer understand the requirement and are you able to design for the scale right i think um, what how have you do you see evolution happen particularly when you have such a large team uh, where you are working with a team uh, how are you seeing that change within yourself as well as with your team uh, yeah i what's preferred today is to have full stack um, you know knowledge of a full stack uh, when you work in software so but um, uh, even um, even you know specialized skills are valued not that they are not when you have uh, for example the data science projects that i handle you have uh, data engineers are the most crucial there because they are the ones who are cleaning up the data which is required for the ai engineers to work on so um, you 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 have a one a one team that's doing data engineering you have another team that's using the data that's coming out of what the data engineers work and then they work models over it and then they get out their accuracy but they they are not independent teams per se so there's always a lot of intersection and the more the intersection the better um, because you know both teams first thing is obviously collaboration the other is one should know what the other needs and the other should know what they're providing so uh, unless you have a clean and good data you're not going to get accuracy in spite of having your best models in place so uh, that's the whole thing about and um, that that's what i see uh, is valuable today in uh, skill wise that even if you are somebody let's say you are a ui engineer but you you are specialized in ui but you also know you know what are the calls that below your ui happen and what what happens at the back end you you should have a breadth over there if not a depth because you may be specialized and have a depth in one place but you also should know what's happening behind the scenes just not limit yourself to what you're doing uh, because then then uh, that's what that's what gets to you gets to be valuable you know makes you very valuable like for instance i have I had never worked on ui and when i worked on that product development that i told you i was asked to work on ui and i was like okay and the and the ui framework that they chose was not you know the usual react js or you know, because it's a it's an embedded system and so we, we they wanted to work on gtk plus and gtk plus i don't even know if you have heard of i i had never heard of it at that time and um, 
I mean, I thought, what do I do with this GTK plus? How do I learn it? Now I went and bought a book on GTK plus and I quickly, you know, learned some bit of it. I started implementing it. I learned it. So I, I, I'm not a UI expert. I, I don't have uh, a depth on UI, but I have worked on UI and, and I know the whole behind the scenes, the backend portion is where I, my expertise is. But if you talk to me in the UI language, I still know it because I've worked some bit on UI, whether whether it's a React.js technology or it is a GDK plus technology, UI is UI. So I have worked on it. So and that has helped me as I as you grow in your career, the more the breadth you have is what helps. And and when you have, uh, you may never know the problems you're getting into, the use cases that you're getting into, the discussions that you're getting into with customers may involve a lot of things that is unknown to you. It's definitely that you will fall back on a subject matter expert when it comes to it. But uh, the uh, the first level of discussion, you cannot be dumb. You cannot say that, yeah, that was that's some skill that I don't even know. You're supposed to speak on everything. Yeah. <laughs> so then that's what makes it uh, valuable. You have to be um, a full stack. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I, this is the first time somebody has given me a different definition of full stack. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me um, ch- uh, point, ask you questions around how did the transition of moving from an embedded? See, embedded, if you look at it, you're actually doing C, C++ programming of, at mm. the device level. Yeah. Um, and uh, the uh, and not to say that no, it's uh, uh, it's not easy. It is in a different plane, right? In in fact, the payload and the how many sizes of the payload, it, all these are very different. We're talking about, and you are actually talking about now working in cloud, which is the other side of the spectrum. Here, uh, everywhere, even processor speed to uh, size, everything is scalable. So if there's a need, you can just scale it. Obviously, there is a FinOps world that comes in mind where everything is financials, right? So you have to uh, ensure that those are correct. But uh, how did that change to you? Uh, did that? Um, how how did you adapt? In fact, in in terms of learning, in terms of uh, moving from uh, uh, coding at the embedded side to coding for in the cloud because in the end of the day right um, uh, cloud is all about uh, speed in which uh, you are able to move things now while embedded you do it once and do it right uh, because uh, if the uh, system goes out uh, many times uh, we never used to have 5g before where you can't just keep changing the uh, software in the embedded system once there is so i mean uh, what kind of an adaptability that you had to bring in not withholding about the software part of it but you as a person uh, have to bring about the change because when i looked at your profile that was a very unique thing in terms of moving from the uh, from embedded to cloud i just wanted to understand your own uh, perspective did you seek for it a b how did you adapt for it See, technology-wise, why I came into here, the group is, as I told you, right, when I was talking, I was interviewing for the cloud uh, data AI group, uh, they, I didn't know what Amazon is, so why would they take me in? I mean, I, I'm a complete CC++ person. So I was so surprised that the person was looking through my profile and said, no, but you know Python, you can easily learn cloud, he said. And uh, I was like, so this is what I was uh, hinting at when I spoke earlier, that Python was such a, 
um, unheard of language 16 years ago when I was working on it. And I was thinking I'm so doing something which is a time waste. Why am I even learning it? But 16 years later, um, not really 16 years, 10 years, uh, six years later, six years later when I was moving into cloud, that was uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, that is what got me into cloud actually, because I had this Python skills and they said that uh, they thought that, you know, that would be the best thing to uh, uh, have as a skill to move on cloud. So technology wise, that's what helped me because what you use in cloud in terms of automation, you use a lot of Python. So uh, since I knew that, that that was what was helping me in terms of technology. But otherwise, the perspective wise, what I was working, how I was working with embedded and embedded systems to what I'm working on cloud is totally uh, different, obviously, um, but um, I felt it more easier to work on cloud because in embedded, you have a lot of constraint. You don't have space, you don't have storage, you have limitations on everything. You here uh, is not that much. It's not that much, that much. And even here again, when you work with cloud, when you, you have IoT use cases, you need to do real time streaming. You need to get the data from devices that are embedded. And, and you know, you use move that also onto cloud. So that that's where my, uh, again, my, you know, uh, my earlier skills come in. Whereas I know that, you know, how this real, uh, real time data, you, you, that's the output of our embedded system, right? So that, how do you handle in cloud is a totally different thing how you, uh, than how you handle a batch data, any data that is otherwise coming in, right? So these are some of the things that eased me into working on cloud. But otherwise, what was different is, Obviously, learning the so many various services that the cloud providers provide both and having, um, you know, um, getting to know how you're going to migrate things onto cloud and doing a profiling onto understanding what the applications are, what they what their need is some applications, you know, it is not even worth digging in to make sure that, you know, you're going to um, refactor it better. You just lift and shift and leave it there on cloud and later have a look at it. Or you may think that, you know, you may you may come to a judgment that maybe we can refactor this application and move it on cloud so tomorrow you can have it uh, you know you can use the advantage of all cloud um, the, all that that cloud provides so these are some things that you know uh, i learned while uh, working on a lot of migrations and apart from migrations when you're setting up new things on cloud like recently what we're doing is we're getting um, a data for of a customer onto uh, cloud and from there running the ai analytics so when you're doing this kind of a move also uh, you know the volume the size the everything matters and how the connect this is a hybrid cloud mainly so some of it remains on-prem some of it is moving to cloud so it's it's a lot of um, I should say a lot of estate that you have to uh, look at uh, it was it, it's a very good learning I had senior members uh, technical mentors in my team the the five member team I was talking about I was the fifth one to get into but I looked up to my seniors I I, I had my technical mentors who really were my cloud gurus and taught me uh, it was not all self-learned uh, but uh, yeah they were there to handhold they were there uh, in the first few projects with me uh, till I'm confident and I could move on so so I, I I think I came and assimilated well into moving from embedded into cloud wow that's a great story I want to say talk about I think this is a story that you should put it in your uh, <laughs> LinkedIn also saying <laughs> <laughs> uh, from uh, you know from macro uh, you know setup to micro setup I think I know it all sort of thing so, uh, you mentioned about um, deriving intelligence right um, most of the time when the ROI for cloud setup happens it is about uh, 
you know, not only scalability, but also availability of uh, data in the same place and ability to um, be it isolation of problem or monitoring or, you know, a lot of things come uh, right off the bat. Um, and it means that your the amount of time that your own internal people have to do work uh, on those particular things will reduce. So uh, did, um, did it mean that your own domain deepening, your team's domain deepening, did it change over a period of time? I know you mentioned about joining in the healthcare domain. Did it stay through the period or it's, you stayed in the cloud world and then uh, domain became agnostic? How did that happen? Yeah, domain, yes, it does matter. But in a service industry, when you're working, you're not constant with a particular domain. Yeah, you will move from one domain across another. And cloud is mostly uh, works like a horizontal across it is it is mostly domain agnostic, but it is not completely I, like I'll tell you, for for instance, when I was working, I've worked in an oil and gas for an oil and gas customer for a long time, not only healthcare and consumer, but yeah, so in this oil and gas, when you talk about data, is, uh, data and data formats that come out of oil wells or, you know, uh, the the well the, the rigging uh, devices and uh, the seismic data that comes, they're all of a specific format. You know, it, they're, they're not, they're, they're standard format for oil and gas industry, but uh, unlike for the other domains, right? It is not the same for healthcare or any other. So you really need that domain expertise when you really need to work on that data. You know, what is a standard format? How do I, you know, create a, a, a standard platform for such a data? And uh, the kind of the nature of data from domain to domain will also vary. So a, a lot of domain expertise is yes required. In our service industry, how we work is we are technologists who work on the technology, the horizontal piece, while we um, collaborate with the domain uh, consultants who are separate groups within our industry for all the domain expertise that we need. So it's a collaboration. We really can't get into the domain depth in every domain that we work with our technology. So we are technology experts. We take our technology across to different domains. Uh, while we work with the domain experts in that particular domain, we have a domain and consulting team, right? So they will help us out on what really we need to know as part of the domain aspects of what we work. But but more so, yes, we, we can spread this technology across through all, I mean, it, it's anyway penetrated everywhere, right? Cloud data AI is across all domains today. So there is nothing that that technology can limit, but yes, you need to understand the domain. When we speak about domain, right, I, I like the way you're saying about oil and gas has a different format and expectation are different. And uh, as you mentioned, right, the real time batch requirements, uh, I mean, even in financial industry, uh, many of these are uh, many of the uh, compliance reports are more batch like you have to do it. But obviously, when you talk about payments, these are all instantaneous. So what type of complexity does that come into play when we talk about uh, your implementation in the cloud and when you migrated from the on-prem to uh, so and more importantly how do you sensitize your team in for uh, in, about those nuances sometimes um when we do those migration programs um while it may be very obvious for the customer being in the service provider uh, it may not be so obvious uh, and those are unsaid rules per se right how uh, are you um I mean, enabling your team 
uh, in ensuring that we have your they have their uh, eyes wide open and keeping uh, watch for all of those yeah so that uh, comes with experience since we have a mix of a team with uh, with at all levels right juniors mid level and seniors so uh, we definitely run our designs uh, with the seniors and get their um, you know reviews and um, implement them because with their experience they do know that when for instance if you're working with um, millions of records coming in at a time uh, um, it, it will be a different design altogether to handle though you have services on the cloud that will say that you know this is a data ingestion service you can just use that service and get all the data in there but when you actually implement from and the design will also be reviewed everything is fine and done but when you say that you know you have let's say some 27 million records coming in a day and um, you 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 shouldn't you should look at data duplication you should look at data loss you should look at you know all that you should look at and uh, when when that happens the using the service directly may not work so you may have to get in some other something else open source for example kafka has a piece in between and then you you ease out your before you do your data transformation you bring in that so these are some things that come by learning and uh, yeah even after you design and even after you've reviewed sometimes these things are not caught easily because uh, because you know not everybody would have experienced such a use case it could be one of the first use case that you're you're trying to do something like this so these things will happen but generally for all other things we definitely have multiple reviews at senior levels and they guide the team and we are more or less covered and uh, people learn also on the way right uh, but there are new learnings also like as i mentioned we have, we recently had it in a project where we learned that no no what we designed and we thought didn't work really in implementation so you change it on the ground then you go back to customer make them understand that you know these are not things that we foresaw uh, really so we make some small tweaks we will we may have to redesign and replan our project plan and uh, our iteration will change our project our sprints will change and we'll go on Nice. Uh, I agree. I think uh, not everything can be foreseen, uh, in particularly when you're doing transformation on a legacy system, right? Um, it takes a bit of uh, uh, human ingenuity to say, okay, yeah. uh, can we do uh, known things? And then uh, as and when we uncover, we keep moving. So when you um, are talking about a team of five to 1200 people, uh, what type of a skilling uh, did you have to go through um, for yourself, I mean, uh, from a, I know a lot of the hard skills are available through certification, through on-the-job training and stuff like that. But what about uh, from a, you know, your own capability to manage complexity and soft skills? Uh, what type of uh, learning curve would you go through, Vidhu? Yeah, so uh, right from a small team to a large team, the the your learning is a di different styles of leadership. So um, when we started off, when we didn't have anybody, we didn't have talent enough. We brought in pressures from uh, you know universities and yeah, we there are teams within our competency teams who give them skills or who teach them skills, but that's not enough. We have to get in, mentor them. We have to get them job ready. So it's one thing about knowing a programming language or knowing something, but 
getting uh, them job ready is a totally different thing right so you have to have that connect you have to have be with people um get them to understand and alley fears because they're just out of college they really don't know they're nervous to get started with their first assignment so um, that that matters you give them a 101 of what is your what is uh, I mean something that you cannot learn in books? Something that you know. What is your group standing for? What what nature of projects will you uh, anticipate as you go out after a few months of your training? And those are things that you have to mentor and get them on. And that uh, that was a smaller sized yet, and you know, handling a smaller team and from there, the 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 kind of you know when people are involved. If uh, different people come with different natures, so when you you are involved with people, the way you handle people at at a junior level, when you have having a smaller team, to how you will handle it when you have a larger team, when you you don't have the luxury of getting hands on and you know being one on one with all the you know like now for in, for instance, one seventy members report into me, uh, directly indirectly put together, so I can't meet all one seventy. It's not practically possible that you know with my job that I do I, I all meet all of them so how your leadership style will change is you will have your direct reports a bunch of them maybe 10 or 15 and you have to put, fill in your trust with them you have to you would have mentored them you would have nurtured them so you know what to expect out of them and you then you leave the leave uh, you know put them uh, uh, put the trust in them that they will perform and then through them is when you where you'll see the rest of the team so whenever anything is wrong or right in the team it, it bubbles up and comes back to you through your direct report so there's a lot of difference in how you handle a larger team to how you are directly handling a smaller team so that's the learning that I've had and that's the learning that you know I have put in um, apart from the technical knowledge and know-how into into successful executions excellent i know we are we are uh, such a, a lively conversation and i'm just realizing that we are out of time so uh, i want uh, any advice for the newcomers bindu that you want to share uh, based on your learnings and um, maybe missteps if you will uh, and particularly you are a career uh, you've worked in two organizations uh, and also has a, have have had a very excellent career so far so any um, pearls of wisdom that you can share yeah, two things I'd like to uh, share with people who are just coming in because someday they will also grow, grow to be seniors, will move to leadership roles. But I'll tell you something you should remain, if you are a developer like I was, uh, you should re remain a core developer at heart. Uh, you know, I still do C programming. I'm still hands on with C programming. I still do DIYs on Arduino programming. So we need not be in that, that way, but whatever way you want to be, but have your touch with your uh you know uh, skills because even if you grow you you get to be you tend to get non-technical you tend to get away from your uh, technical work because that's where your your uh, role will take you as you go but be rooted that is one and the second is um, particularly for women uh, who are joining in as young girls who join with a lot of uh, in uh, you know energy and zeal into the industry they remain so but but as the uh, family kicks in, as responsibilities kick in, 
you know, there, there may be times in the career when you feel like I have had uh, times, you know, everything has not been smooth. So I have raised two daughters. They are today 17 and 11. Um, and, and they just didn't grow up magically. So I've had my share of troubles. <laughs> and I, I know for sure that there, there will be times when you'll think that, you know, is, is it really worth it? Is it really worth going on with your career like this when you have to juggle so many things? And there will be a time, there may be a time in their lives when they'll think that, no, no, it's enough. I'll just give up and I'll, 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 you know, just come out of my career, but whichever way you want to do, maybe you want to take a short break and come back or you want to keep it going and take it slow, whichever way, just don't leave it. If you drop it there, um, uh, uh, you know, it's not that the comeback is not possible. It is always possible, but keep it going because uh, maybe sometimes you'll have to slow down a bit. You may, maybe be like your peers, you may not have at that point be able to be in that, you know, um, a, a race or corporate race of moving up the ladder. That's not important because your family is also important. So how are you going to balance and manage? But one thing is you keep going, it will go on. There will be some way or the other. You may, it may seem that it was the, the end of everything, uh, but you should keep going and it will take you through and um, it will take you through to success. And then you'll think, oh, this is all it was, is it? So I, I'm done with it and now I'm, I'm fine and I'm, I'm, I'm happy I did it. So that, that's my message for, uh, for the girls who will be uh, women later and uh, who will be mothers later to keep going in their career and not to be bogged down with, you know, small uh, uh, things that happen in life that can pull you back down. Wow, excellent message. Stay true to your uh, core uh, coding skills or the software skills and and stay in the journey. In fact, I use the same thing that, no, to win the race, you have to be in the race. I mean, it doesn't matter if you slow down, but you have to just stay put. I think that excellent message, Bindu. Now, thank you so much for your time and wish you a very happy Women's Day. Thank you. Wish you the same, Gayatri. Happy Women's Day. We thank Siddharth for the music and Anita for promoting the software people's stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcasts at pm-powerconsulting.com.